Hello there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. This is part two of our conversation with John Higgins from Wyala, South Australia. Uh, and he is uh, one of my original students uh, from 2012 and still continuing to subscribe to my blog uh, Secrets of Organ Playing to this day and he is a mechanical engineer by profession but loves uh, pipe organ so much that uh, he's doing uh, great work for his community uh, playing recitals, organizing concerts and even raising funds to restore valuable historical organs in his area. I hope you will find this conversation inspiring because John firmly believes that if he can do it, anyone can. Let's go to the show. Telling stories is all it takes sometimes to to touch people and to connect with them. And I'm really, really excited that you do tell stories when you demonstrate the organ in Wyala or elsewhere. because you know sometimes to play Bach as much as we love the pieces doesn't connect with people right but if you explain and you educate and you share stories that people can relate yes they they can uh, even appreciate the 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 most advanced fugues sometimes you know It was very when when I um, did this Christmas carol recital at St Martin's, um, I played uh, Bach's Prelude and Fugue in E minor from the sh- the eight short Preludes and Fugues, and um, that I thought about why is that piece so special to me, and I realised that in the in the Prelude there's so many ascending sequences. Um, and descending sequences and I thought the to me the descending sequences in the the preludes speak of of God coming down and touching us yes and then the prelude which which has the um, chromatic um, steps at the beginning of the fugue was it e f f sharp g g sharp a like that mm-hmm um, speaks of our thanks and praise going back up to God, and I shared that with the people before I played, and it's such a beautiful piece of music. But afterwards, that's what everyone was saying to me. They're like, "That was amazing how you said about God coming down to us and us communicating back to God in prayer," and that seemed to make it come alive for them. Yes, uh, uh, if you give something uh, to people to think about something and to count uh, thematic entrances entrances of the theme in the fugue, for example, to listen for various registrations, right, or uh, or simply to to tell a story um, about the feelings and uh, even the historical context sometimes works. Reminds me of of an uh, analogy I've heard about the in India, India and uh, its uh, elephants. 
you know sometimes uh, the villagers in india in rural parts have uh, festivals uh, when when farmers uh, sell fruits and um, and display their labor and uh, all the animals of the of this village would come along and and of, of course big elephants and you know elephants they like bananas uh, they like bananas everywhere so they snatch uh, <laughs> from one farmer and another and the uh, elephant has a big trunk and so uh, one big uh, um, uh, how you say uh, bag of banana is not enough for one right so uh, he constantly snatches bananas so these poor farmers uh, are always suffering from these elephants but there is a trick you can do with this elephant and I'm, I'm, I think I share this on the blog that uh, if you give a stick to the elephant to hold in, in his trunk just uh, during this procession right a stick regular working walking stick then this elephant is busy holding the stick and uh, and the bananas will be safe you see so the same is with people when you when you are playing recital and trying to connect with them if you give something for their mind to be occupied while you're playing you win i mean you both win you all win but you win them so so yes it's uh, we have to probably think harder than than to play the notes mm -hmm. right while practicing what can we tell mm -hmm. people about this place about this episode about this music about this composer that can be of value to them at their level of development of course right because if we are cool. talking too difficult stuff they won't relate right quite often before like recitals probably I reckon at least a month before my recitals I'll um, google the name of my pieces and like read all the history about um, when the composer composed it and what was going on in their life when it happened and maybe um, an organist who played it or when it was premiered and and sometimes I'd you know, read for 15 minutes on my mobile phone every night before I go to sleep looking at looking at these pieces and 99% of what I read just goes in and out but every now and then something important out of that story it's like soaking into your mind and then um, when I stand up and speak at the recitals most of the time I don't even bother taking any notes everything's in my mind from what I've been reading and the storytelling is what captures their attention and because because I'm not Thomas Haywood um, I feel like I feel like I have to win people over a bit with my storytelling because I know my music's not enough if you know what I mean it's like David and Goliath, right? David fights the Goliath. Goliath and Goliath is a, is a mm, giant, right? And he has strengths in in sword fighting and shield and uh, and and David is a small shepherd, right? And uh, how can how can he possibly win this fight unless unless he plays it by his own rules, right? Uh, unless he uh, has this. Uh, 
how do you call this gun? Um, sling. Exactly. A sling. A sling. And he was very proficient. And this, this I've read that the the speed of the stone, little stone, or like a pebble, right, uh, which would fly out of the sling into the head of the vic- victim. Would be the same as a 45 cali- cal- um, millimeter bullet in nowadays terms. So he was very sufficient and uh, I mean proficient in in being very precise and fast. And um, and Goliath is was a basically like a, like a stationary target. He couldn't move, right? He was half blind probably uh, because he had this illness. Uh, scientists also discovered uh, which also has symptoms because he was very tall and half blind so there is a disease like that disorder basically for people even nowadays and so so play by your own rules John and you will win sooner or later and uh, it's okay to follow the rules as long as you are the one who are inventing <laughs> them, right? And this is not my idea. And Seth Godin is 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 the author of this saying. So, but I like these little stories, little snippets of wisdoms because we can really uh, connect and apply them. That's something that I've found really special about what you're doing is that that I, I don't think I've come across anybody who plays the organ who thinks about life in the same way that you do and and just just take that as a as a real you know comp, sincere compliment from me because um i've showed a number of people like my grandfather and my parents i've shown them some of the blogs that you've written and they don't even know you but they say that that you really understand human nature and you understand life well, we, we all do, John, of course, because, as I say, it's not enough to play the mo- notes that you love, the music that you love, but you have to think about, as you say, human nature, what what is inside of us and what keeps us from achieving our um, potential, even not dreams, not goals. It's a bigger thing, our calling, potential uh, for the... For what can we uh, be of service uh, for the humanity, right? Uh, some people, oh, I want to play the organ and play the concert and, and this is uh, my uh, potential. No, uh, there is so much more we can do probably uh, if we not limit ourselves by saying this is our potential, right? So I hope, uh, I hope, uh, I hope... Uh, we will never reach our potential, that's for sure. But we will keep trying, right? Keep trying. So tell me, tell me a little bit about wh- where do you think you've got that ability from? Like, is there something remarkable that's happened in your life or that has given you that ability to see it that way? Because it's very rare to find people who think about it not just focused on... Um, the specific technical skills like some of the other organists that I've met in Adelaide in the big city that so dry and so um, inhuman if you like it's very elite society and 
and it's um, they they don't really put life in perspective and and really understand it's all very mechanical and cold mm-hmm. no i'm not a saint or a idol or a, or a superhuman in in any way i i have my own weaknesses and uh, and uh, that what probably makes us human right to be conscious of our weaknesses and uh, be willing to be vulnerable in front of people be willing to put ourselves out there and um, and see what happens sometimes people respond with with harsh criticisms and we can take it we can take it because uh, sometimes people uh, love us so much that they even bother to criticize us right but some people criticize us out of sheer um, probably envy right that they you uh, nobody can do this uh, but i'm a professional organist and uh, i can't right and you're not supposed to even try but you do anyway so these people are hecklers right like trolls Uh, we don't pay attention and we don't read the the good comments or the bad comments about these sooner or later you start to feel the nature of this person uh, if if um, somebody writes to you um, an email sooner or later if you respond to the heckler later you will regla- regret it because you just feed feed the troll don't feed the, the bears they say right uh, at the zoo so the same is with trolls they if you if if he writes something right even a praise for your uh, miraculous virtuosity the only thing he, he needs from you is your attention and anything you say is going to be used against you because he is in love with himself or herself basically uh, he doesn't need uh, your help or my help he just uh, needs you to to know to 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 say how how beautiful uh, he is or she is so we avoid those those people that's it what we do and we surround ourselves with with people who can who share our vision who share our uh, values and who can support uh, who we support each other basically like yourself right you you are mechanical engineer i'm not a mechanical engineer but we have something in common not only organ I, I would suspect suspect but values in life right and and the criticisms of of, uh, of uh, people like you are very very dear to me because you you mean it you you want to help right so that's what so, so tell me tell me a bit more about how you've developed this understanding of human nature and what's important is is this is this come from um your parents or uh, like have you been through some tough challenges in when you were younger because i can see that you've got a real grip and understanding of human nature and how to overcome these things i don't have an an understanding of 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 human nature i don't i just um what I do is uh, is uh, is I try to help people. That's all, really. Um, 
that's what what matters probably helping people um, not in a way that you think is the best for them but they would uh, appreciate at their level right if somebody doesn't like playing pedal scales for example i know it's good i tried it myself i you know uh, it works i can prove it i can i can have hundreds of examples of people who done it and successfully developed but uh, if a person for example doesn't um, enjoy or even believe in this uh, technical uh, exercises I can help him or her in another way uh, through through things that he would understand or she. So, so I think empathy empathy is is very important uh, to try to see the world as it is and not as uh, we like it to be, right? Um, because we are all preoccupied with these ideas. Oh, I'm great. I'm <laughs> I'm worthy of. Uh, recognition right success of everything but in reality nobody really cares because everybody is is busy with their ideas and everybody is suffering in one way or another and um, and seven billion m people in the world and nobody cares right uh, so yes. so we we have to surround ourselves with people who care and that doesn't mean we have to have millions of people just just a, a, few, a small number minimum possible minimal of people uh, to have whom we can have impact that's it we never yeah. be able to to compete with popular tv shows like uh, you know i don't know what's trending in australia but in america you know like american idol and these things um when it's it's not possible right in in our sphere but to have an impact, yes, we can have an impact when, when somebody uh, writes an email and says, oh, I was so upset, I was so probably disturbed and um, thought of dropping my, uh, my dream and trying to, 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 to go in another direction, but your email made sense and saved the day for me. Or sometimes even you might get lucky and save the life. Of somebody if you if you uh, that that didn't happen to me but I know bloggers who did uh, write something inspirational and somebody stopped from from some hurtful actions so helping people and you learn along the way what works what doesn't and tell stories of course because mm. it just insights and advice doesn't cut it doesn't work because people are are tired of step-by-step -step approaches and seven seven mistakes that you shouldn't avo should avoid and 11 uh, uh, topics that you should do uh, you know this list bulleted numbers no you have to relate by telling stories and sometimes it takes a deep look at your own life what can you what mm. have you experienced today that can be of value to people around the world so well so, something that i've been thinking about a lot was um i remember in one of your blogs you said the only help is self-help mm -hmm. and when you when you first like there's quite a few things that you say that when i first read it i think oh you can't mean that um surely that's not really true and then 
I'll stew over it <laughs> because I'm a very reflective thinker. It takes me a while to absorb things and think over my answers. Um, and I think about it for a while. And then I, sometimes it takes, you know, three or four hours. Sometimes it might take me a month. And just the last week or two, I've started to realize that it's true what you've said, that the only help is self-help. And sometimes I I wonder, like, what it would be, what it would be like to, to come over to um, villainous and and study with you and things like that, and then I realise that, that there's truth in what you're saying. That un, unless I want to help myself, it, it wouldn't matter whether I was studying full time. Obviously, that would help a lot. Um, but the reality is that my stage of life and with the family and the job, I'm never going to have the time or be able to afford to go to university to study music but if I can keep helping myself um, and when I read your little blog about the um, the young lady that you were helping with the um, Bach Prelude and you asked her to start singing That's right. one of the voices and playing the other one <laughs> I, I felt quite a lot of shame and guilt because I rather suspect that if, if that was me, I, I know that I wouldn't have been able to do it past maybe two, at the most, three voices. And it, and it made me think, would I have given up? And I, I think maybe I would have. And it made me realise how special it was that that young lady kept going. Um, and it, that was a motivation to me that, to that Michael Jordan quote that you said that, that you can't put up with anybody who doesn't try, mm-hmm. and I thought about it and I, th- I thought well, I don't I don't think I could do that at the moment, but I've, I've I guess I steeled my mind that that I will try, even if I fail I'll I'll try. That's tremendously important, John. Uh, this young lady, I should say, uh, her name is Aglia. Aglia, by the way, is, is the name of Lithuanian tree, fir, like a Christmas tree, right? Aglia, E-G-L-E. And uh, you shouldn't be ashamed because <laughs> she, uh, just recently, just a few days ago, won uh, national uh, Bach piano competition. At, their, wow. at her level, she was the prize winner, first prize winner. Um, and, uh, well, she is t- very, very talented, but not only talented, but um, her level is already very uh, high. She is um, 11th grader right now, and she studies music from, from the first grade. And, um, and we have lots of students in the school, national Churlone School of Art, but um, she is like um, like one of the top ten probably at at this level today, uh, at this uh, at this school. So you shouldn't be ashamed, of course. But uh, if I was teaching you, if I were teaching you, and if I wouldn't be, you know, in a, I never would have asked you to to sing three, uh, one voice and play three. I would probably asked to say, sing one and play another two voices like that would be 
challenging enough and you know you, you want to push people but not to overdo it so so that you could get a sense of achievement and not a depression you know like oh this is too much right only for for virtuosos this can be achieved so at your level two voices are plenty for right now and you never know right maybe you will reach the third vo- voice level sooner than you think mm. and that's i guess that's one of the things that gives gives me hope because um one of the most amazing experiences for me was this concert before christmas and the andrew george my friend who's the organist in um, north adelaide at quite a large church there and and a sort of a fairly prestigious position for to have him come and play in my recital was just so amazing and then when i looked at the pieces that i was playing and and it 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 is you know to think that this has happened in four years four years ago i could hardly even play a note right um and i remember somebody said to me once that we usually overestimate what we can achieve in one year but we significantly underestimate what we can achieve in five or ten years mm-hmm. and i think that's true that i probably i didn't get very far at all in my first year um but now the four years have gone and hopefully this year is going to be a challenge with number two coming and timothy and obviously work's not going too well up here but um these other things are important um but i'll I'll try and make the most of what time i have but at the end of the five years i think i will have achieved so much more than i ever thought was possible that's true sometimes john uh, we usually take step-by-step approach right but sometimes uh, the improvements sometimes happen by leaping sometimes you know like in science right the big uh, breakthroughs never happen step by step sometimes they happen overnight right you you wake up a, a, a genius sci- scientist has this idea tests and here it is you know um but yes usually we work in step by step approach but be prepared to leap as well mm and it's hard to it's hard to um put a value on experience like um i was looking through some of my old notes today and i found one of your articles probably from 2012 and it was talking about how um it's not until you've done five to ten recitals that you really start to get the hang of it and then the goal should be to get to 50 or 60 and i started thinking back about how many public recitals i've done now i can't remember the exact number but um i think uh i would have gone past 10 over a year ago and i've noticed that probably in the last 12 months has been a really big improvement that i feel like i'm practicing the same just as hard as i was before but the the fear is diminishing and the confidence is improving in public you know uh, you're absolutely right uh, 
the number 10 recitals, for example, I came up from my own experience with improvisation. I remember my first improvisation, full-scale 60 minutes recital, uh, which which was, I think, a couple, three years ago or a couple of years ago uh, in Mosa, this little village I I've talked about on the blog. And this was a crazy idea. I, I shouldn't have done this, but I did it. And I'm glad, never regret it. But of course, it was very, very frightening. And little by little, 10 recitals, right? And I remember I counted all of them. And the 10th recital suddenly was sort of like a breakthrough. You notice something, what you could have couldn't done before right and you could like for my for me during the 10th recital i started to play imitations uh, between the hands feet uh, dialogues between the voices right the little uh, that didn't occur to me before or my technical abilities didn't let or uh, I, I i'm not sure whether technical abilities or my level or something but at the 10th recital I started doing this, and uh, it started change the 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 level of my playing as well. Because when you have uh, uh, dialogues between voices, it, it becomes much more uh, advanced sounding and and lively conversation, right? But ten recitals, yes, it's it's, it's such a like a solid number. And then little by little you have 20, right, sometimes. And then you have another revelation too, I hope. And I, th I think one of the other things I've come to accept is like getting to a point of peace in yourself is so important and no, nobody else can do that for you. And, you know, um, I came across, I can't even remember the name of this lady now. Um, there was a soprano singer in America, and I stumbled across one of her, um, um, like, coaching videos quite by accident. It was really just an act of God, if you, if you will. Mm -hmm. And she was speaking about how she'd had all of this training and, and just couldn't break through with her singing and people were saying to her, well, we don't think you can make it because you're not getting to the level that you need to be. And she said that her breakthrough moment came when somebody said to her, you need to go away and ask yourself the question, why would somebody pay $50 of their hard-earned money to come and listen to you? And she talked about how deep an emotional experience that was for her to say, what I'm doing is so valuable that it's worth people parting with their money to come and hear this. And to me, that you could see that she was saying that it's about inner belief. And that's something that I've started doing now where I ask myself, oh, <laughs> Obviously, I would, I would never dream of asking people to pay money to come and listen to me. But, um, you know, usually we just ask for a gold coin donation for the organ fund at the end. But I could never charge money for people to come to my playing. But I still ask myself the question, if I would was going to ask for $50, why would they come? 
you could charge for your insights though um, because what you're saying right now is priceless uh, to people um, I think uh, this information and your stories um, because you, you you understand also human nature because you you started doing it yourself from from zero from level very very beginning level and you went through these uh, ups and downs right so no you are not a beginner at this level maybe you are a beginner at at something um, technically right but uh, since you have this very um, broad perspective and depth knowledge of of how how we humans function uh, that can also add value into your technical expertise as well and facilitate the progress as well because uh, let's face it if you were a, a child of maybe seven years old right and i give you these exercises yes you could uh, develop your pedal playing technique if your legs were long enough but your mind your mind would be so much different than it is now right so the mind is what what matters i think the most because our body will weaken at the, uh, during the when we uh, age but the mind continues to develop and i remember one of the articles that you wrote just recently um was saying about the difference between an ordinary an ordinary playing of a piece and something that's exceptional and touches you and it was interesting like i've got a few cds of different organists playing and they're all you know expert um top top cathedral organists and yet there's on, on two of the cds one organist plays the same piece and then on the other cd the other organist does and one of them is just like both of them are perfect absolutely perfect but one of them I just want to keep listening to that piece over and over and over and over again and I never get sick of it and the other one you listen to it once and you think it's just forgotten mm -hmm. and it's two two geniuses playing the same piece but somehow the way that this um, it's John John Robinson who's the cathedral organist at um, Canterbury Cathedral in the UK and Priority Records have um, got a whole series on all the cathedral organs in England. And one of my organist friends um, lent me almost the whole set before Christmas. And I had such a good time watching all these DVDs. And I learnt so much about um, being an organist from watching them. And the organ demonstrations were just amazing. And one thing that I took away that gave me so much hope was that all of these cathedral organists were so different. Like, one person is like a real quiet introvert who can hardly even speak properly to do the organ demonstration. Another person will be um, excitable and happy and um, outgoing and... They're just beaming with smiles all the time and, and talking lots. And then you get the other ones that have got the real quirky humor. And some of them are like, you know, very elitist. And like they, they think that they're, they're something special. And they are, but you can see 
that they know it <laughs> and others are like so humble and that it's a privilege like they say it's a privilege to have you come into our organ loft so you can see this organ demonstration and it, it gave me hope because I could see that so many it doesn't matter about your personality or your your character or your abilities as um, a person it's about um, your passion for wanting to play the organ you could see all of them had that amazing passion and they're just living it mm -hmm. yes live your passion and um, probably you you will reach the, the level where you can be of value to people yes uh, because if you are doing this not out of passion but out of another uh, set of motivations less valuable probably then it's very difficult to sustain it over time right because passion calling uh, has to be the burning um, f uh, basically uh, engine that uh, that will motivate you helping other people and yourself so have you got some um have you got some wise words for the year ahead for me sure john uh, i think uh, uh, the the thing that i wanted to end this conversation is that uh, you continue to be brave right continue to be persistent and continue to be generous which of course you demonstrated all these three qualities and connected the fourth one uh, connected meaning that uh, you are open to people and you connect with them not only online but uh, but in your in your area your community and that's how you grow that's how you grow uh, that's how you get motivated to get up out of bed every morning because you know that somebody counts on you to show up and uh, if if you're if you're not regularly for example showing up in people's email inboxes maybe uh, people count on you to show up uh, three months in their church for example in recital they're counting of, on you they're trusting and uh, that's very powerful mo motiv motivation to grow too so it's quite interesting on that point um, I got a text message on Sunday afternoon from um, the priest at St. Martin's saying that there was a wedding on the 27th of February and could I play for the wedding? <laughs> Obviously, um, uh, I broke my thumb a, a, a week ago and the cast has to stay on for four weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I only get that off a week before the wedding. And um, I thought about it. My, my Eliza said, Oh, you, you probably should say no because how, how are you going to play after a broken thumb for someone's wedding? And I thought about it and I thought, well, I can practice the pedals in the left hand um, for the next three weeks and then the rest of it I've played mostly before and as long as, you know, my thumb isn't in excruciating pain, I'm sure I can figure that the right hand out in a week. So I ended up texting back and saying, yes, I'll play. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, then I got, a, I got a text message from her this morning saying that 
the um, the bride has decided that they're going to have all CD music instead. And I replied back and I said, well, what a shame that she isn't going for live music. You know, think about what she's missing out on. <laughs> so anyway, because uh, you... You listen to the advice of people you uh, they uh, that love you, right? And um, if they say that no, 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 you shouldn't do this. It's too dangerous now, too risky, right? And that's perhaps the the indication that you should do this because they want to protect you. They want to protect you, but deep inside you, you know, you know that well. What what's the worst that can happen? Really nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, you cannot really br break a, a second thumb on that same <laughs> hand, <laughs> right? <laughs> Because you broke already. Uh, so you are you are good to go. And as you say, you can practice pedals, left hand together. You can even practice uh, uh, without the thumb of the right hand. I'm not sure if you can because maybe the the strain would be too much. But 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 a week. Of, of practicing all parts together, wisely selected repertoire. That's possible. It's not, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's possible. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's interesting. Like you, you know that I've got a strong faith in God, and it's like sometimes, you know, the story of Abraham and Isaac, and he had to, to you know, took the bundle of wood with Isaac, and Isaac said, "Where's the lamb?" and And of course, you know, he's had to say to him, well, you know, you're, you're going to be the sacrifice. And then when they got there, God had the lamb stuck in the bushes and they had that instead. And it's like sometimes I think God um, puts us in difficult situations to see how much we trust him. Mm -hmm. And if we just say, yes, God, I'll do it, um, He often provides us with a, an escape, so that it's not 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 that bad. Imagine if you said no, right, for that wedding proposal. Wouldn't you have felt differently when the when the bride decided to to you know uh, to change the music to the digital? Uh, but you said yes, right, and uh, now you're you're back to the square one, but. But uh, you said yes, you agreed, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the situation is is much much different. You, your feeling of 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 uh, accomplishment, uh, in deeper accomplishment, accomplishment is much much more profound. I think now that you dared to to say yes. So uh, have a wonderful year ahead of you, John. And I'm conscious of your time, and. Um, Uh, one more time, tell our listeners uh, how they can connect with you online. Yep, so you can find me on Facebook at John Higgins, J-O-H-N-H-I-G-G-I-N-S, or email me at john.eliza.higgins at gmail.com. Fantastic, John. I'll make sure I put uh, these uh, these links into the description of this podcast so that people can can find you. And uh, thank you so much. Your real gift to the people, to your community, and uh, keep keep being brave, generous, connected, and persistent. Thanks so much, Vitas. Bye bye. 
Bye-bye. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spinkavitus. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.